Hey everybody, this is Aid, and welcome to show 17 of the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, we are fresh from a field trip over here at Sunny 16 and uh, we've got an outside broadcast to edit into your delightful piece of entertainment for the week, um, which we shall talk more about in a minute. But first of all, how are you doing, Graham? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aid. Yeah, it was great to see you in person yesterday. It, it in some ways made up for the fact that for the first time in three weeks, um, it's just two of us. It, it feels quite quite quiet and peaceful here without Chris and without Dave here. But uh, no, it was um, lovely to come down to London and catch up with you yesterday and uh, have a bit of an adventure. Yeah, it was. It was. And uh, so... We went to see the Bill or William Eggleston exhibition at the National Portrait Gallery, uh, just around the back of Trafalgar Square at the bottom of Charing Cross Road. Uh, it, it was an interesting one, actually interesting subjects, because there was some stuff of his work that I hadn't seen before, because um, uh, the, the show focused on portraits uh, rather than just all of his stuff. Uh, so that was good. And I think for you it was... Um, uh, maybe uh, not quite such a, a known uh, body of work. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm terrible at being aware of what people have done in the world, even notable photographers, as has been shown time and time again on this podcast, I've never heard of. Um, and I'd only seen one or two of his pictures before. So it was actually really nice to be presented with them completely blind and just to take on that body of work as it was um and uh yeah I, I didn't i didn't have any expectations going in um and i think that's probably really lucky because his work you can't pigeonhole it easily it kind of it sits in between a lot of realms um and it was a great way to just go in and experience it like that. And also, I had never been to the National Portrait Gallery or anything like that before, so it was a fun adventure. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic place, actually. I think the last show I went to see there was a, a David Bailey show. Uh, Stardust, maybe? Uh, a lot of his portraits of very famous people. Uh, some of them, you know, uh, artists or film stars or musicians or whatever, as well as, as uh, you know, models and what have you from the fashion photography world. Um, but it is a great place. Uh, it's, uh, you know, e you know, pretty central, e easy to, to get to, and uh, they have some really interesting stuff. The only thing that was quite disappointing was that um, Trafalgar Square was all closed off, wasn't it? We got there because the, the gallery is just behind Trafalgar Square. And I haven't been to Trafalgar Square since I was a very small child. I thought, well, this would be good. I can go and, I don't know, stand in front of the Nelson's column and look at a line or something. I mean, there must be some reason to go there because it's very popular. But it was all closed off. So never mind. Sad stuff indeed. It's, um, yeah, it was a shame that... Uh the mayor of London had closed it off to allow uh, a, a Malaysian marketing event or something like that. So the, the tourist trade for Malaysia wanted to do some marketing and so they were building a big show in Trafalgar Square. Um, yeah, shame, but there you go. Hey, it was, it was a nice warm day. It was good to warm uh, to walk around London in the, in the sort of sunshine, but it's nice and warm, certainly T-shirt weather. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, we will, as we went to the Eggleston show first thing when we arrived, uh, uh, we'll thread that into the show now. And then after that, we'll come back and talk about what else we did on our field trip.
Yeah, that's a great plan. Just a quick warning to our listeners that this was recorded on uh, a phone in a cafe. Uh, so the sound quality isn't fantastic. Um, and also some thoughtless so-and-so was drinking noisily a cup of tea. I'm not going to spoil who it is. You'll find that out. But <laughs> take heart in that this is only uh, under 10 minutes of audio. So bear with Call that, and we'll be back afterwards to say what we went, got up to afterwards. And uh, also to catch you on some of the hot breaking news coming out of Photokina this week. Okay, well, let's roll that tape. We're now sitting in a cafe called the Camera Museum. Yeah, yeah. And that is in Museum Street in London by the uh, British Museum. And we've just been downstairs to the basement and uh, pretty much every camera on the wall down there, I've said, oh, I'd really like one of those. I wonder what that's like. And Graham said... I've got one of those. Yeah, it, it, it is one of those challenges. You look at it and think, oh, I just want to take a picture of it and then slowly tick them off as I collect them. <laughs> Um, it's great. There's, yeah, there's you, it's one of those things that you've almost finished ticking off, though, <laughs> whereas I haven't even started. It's my version of Pokemon. You've got to catch them all. <laughs> and then actually use them. So they down there, they've got, oh, well, blimey, uh, everything from about 1910 up uh, all the way through to modern day. Uh, so there's, there's folders, 120 folders, 127 folders, a lot of plastic stuff from the 60s, and then uh, a rough approximation of Graham's personal collection from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> it's all good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it's just stuff that's donated that's not worth anything to sell, so they've nailed it to the wall. Well, quite possibly. So uh, tell me, what did you think of the Eggleston exhibition? Oh, I thought it was great. Um, I, you were much more familiar with his work than I was from before. Um, and his black and white stuff was great. It was the, the prints, the, the huge black and white portraits were stunning. These silver Jonathan prints, the, I think he was shooting on 6x7 and the detail was phenomenal. And you could just stare at them for hours. But it was the colour stuff which really left out. Um, I, Part of it, I, I, whilst I was looking at his pictures, I was looking around the gallery, and because he was shooting during the 60s and 70s primarily, you realise that what an amazing time to, to make that move to colour because of all the fabrics and that. Cool, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, all the incredible fabrics that people were wearing, and it's... That's how you'd open this kind of strike. Genuine cafe sounds going on here. Um, yeah, the colours were amazing, absolutely amazing. And you were telling me about and I read about this thing that he was. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, Lovely cup of tea there for Graham. Yeah. I'm British, don't you know? <laughs> one second, let's get an authentic tea pouring time. Okay, so whilst Graham, Graham's pouring his tea, uh, colour, yeah, I mean, so you, did, you said, yeah, I mean, I am a bit more familiar with his work. I do have. Uh, one of his classic books, uh, which I uh, can't remember what it's called, but it's the one with the tricycle on the front. And um, so I was seeing today a lot of stuff that I've seen before in books, but never ever seen printed as big or as vibrant. So, yeah, I can appreciate appreciate what you mean about the colour. It was strange. Because I was looking around, and looking at just what people were wearing, visiting the gallery, and these days we just. just our clothing's a lot more drab than it was in the 60s. As Chris was saying... True that. <laughs> Chris was saying last week, there was a lot more puke orange and snot green back in the 60s and 70s. And um, But yeah, his, his pictures were fantastic and it's great seeing them 
the prints so big um, and there was a mixture of ones that he printed back in the day using this special dye transfer process which gave incredible colours. I was reading the post about how they went about it and it's an incredibly complex process. Um, but there are also modern printed ones as well because he's saying that he's made the most of the digital um, printing techniques that are there now to really get the colour out of his images and they were exceptional as well. Uh, yeah, it was... I've never been to a, an exhibition quite like that before, at least not on that scale, dedicated to one artist, and it was fantastic. It really was. It was, yeah. I mean, I think there were about, or was a hundred photos, they said, a hundred prints, um, and so, some of them dating way but from the from the 70s, and some of them uh, only printed this year, I think, especially for the show. Um, and there's some stuff that, you know, I think I understand was shot on 35mm film, which was printed, what, five feet across, some yeah. of them? enormous ones um, and not the sort of thing you'd normally expect to see and I think those are ones where the modern printing technique really benefited um, you know because they have the chance to digitally manipulate them and get what they want out of them uh, but even so some of the older ones which which were not quite as big but you're still getting you know I don't know uh, 24 inch prints out of them maybe um, they're just phenomenal stuff just phenomenal stuff and yeah of course it's Eggleston so all the composition's a bit squint and uh, the, you, know, uh, when, you know he had a penchant for on camera flash bounced off the ceiling which makes it yeah which to, by today's standards would be somewhat amateur, amateurish I suppose if you weren't an a very well established artist but you know I'm just trying to think back to what it would have been like at that first exhibition at the Museum of Modern Art in New York you know um, legendarily I think the first ever colour photograph fine art exhibition they put on and just the impact it would have made you know photographs of yeah these were portraits this particular exhibition but some of his other stuff photographs of almost literally nothing um, but just bright colours and you know the impact that would have made the quite uh, quite considerable, I think. Yeah, no, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, and it holds up today. I I, I did we, because it has got a few other random bits and pieces. There were some Polaroid shots in there, and and I I said to you, I, with someone me looking at well, now looking at them, you, I don't see why. If somebody put this picture in front of you now, you go, eh, whatever. It's just a, a bog standard Polaroid color picture. But the fact that back in the day. Um, this was breaking new ground to be presenting this stuff as an actual valid art form. You, you, it's, it's hard to put ourselves back in that mindset, but no, it was really good. And, um, and yeah, a, the, the huge portraits, especially the silver gelatin ones, were just so beautiful. Um, I just love being able to get right up close to them and just see every pore and hair on those people's faces. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, that was great. So where do we go to after that, Aid? Well, uh, a little bit of window shopping after that. Um, I mean, the good thing about the National Portrait Gallery is it's right in the heart of London. Uh, for those that don't know it, um, it's uh, a part of the, the National Gallery on Trafalgar Square. So after that, a leisurely walk up Charing Cross Road, uh, having a look in the windows of all the you know, musical instrument shops in Denmark Street and what have you. Um, then uh, a trip to a modern camera shop where uh, Graham... Uh, very kindly advised me on tripods because I don't really own a proper tripod and I've never bought a tripod so and this is something I'm looking to do in the not too distant future uh, so yeah lots of playing with kit actually which is great um, Graham, Graham made a new friend in there an Italian photographer of some sort yeah yeah no, actually we're going to check out his um, Facebook link when we get on there but um, yeah very enthusiastic film photographer so 
<laughs> okay, just a, a little pause there as a, a <laughs> small child wanders in. It's what norm, norm, normally happens when we're recording. <laughs> well, I suspect normally we would be uh, talking a little bit more quietly if we were just sitting here having lunch. So, we, but happily, uh, in in our little museum cafe, we found a back room where there's a, a small handful of tiny tables, but we're the only people here. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, where else did we go after that? Oh, we went to uh, Aperture UK on. Uh, Rathbone Place, yeah. uh, uh, home of um, lots of second-hand film photography gear, uh, another bit of window shopping there. There was um, a lot of nice stuff there. There was a lot of nice stuff in there, some quite rare old Nikon stuff which I like. Uh, uh, there was uh, some really big um, wide format stuff, wasn't there? Yeah, I wanted it? that 6x17 thing, that looked great, but unfortunately I didn't have I didn't have um, £1,300 with me to spend today, so <laughs> I'll have to wait. Was that a horseman? No, it wasn't a horseman, it said photo man on it. Yeah. Is, is that a, a, a similar brand to horseman? I or? don't know, but it looked cool and it was big and I wanted it, but... And in the same, you know, wood-framed glass cabinet, there was a, was it an 8x10? Yeah, beautiful Deardorff 8x10 camera. Um, that was pretty stunning. Yeah. Didn't uh, look at the price tag on that, probably just as well. <laughs> there was a number of things in there that were not for sale and clearly were almost museum pieces in their own right. But they had plenty of second at all, it comes our lunch. So that was our outside broadcast and uh, you know if you could hear much of the conversation through the clinking of Graham's teacup then well done and thanks for staying with us. Um, as we were leaving the camera museum uh, we bumped into uh, almost literally bumped into a, a wire basket you know the sort of thing you find outside uh, any kind of a shop really where they've got old stock or th things they want to give away you know DVDs for a quid and all that and uh, Graham got a little bit overexcited and uh, decided he'd go on a shopping spree didn't you mate? Well, I, I blame you entirely for this Aid, because um, <laughs> the thing that we didn't say about the camera museum is that the camera museum is this weird triple hybrid it's uh, the little museum room downstairs with all the cameras nailed to the they're probably not nailed to the wall but the effect is the same all these cameras mount on the walls which were cool this really nice cafe and it was very reasonably priced and i have to say uh five out of five for my mozzarella panini which was a yummo um but it's also a camera shop that um i think deals almost exclusively in hasselblad doesn't it Aid? Yeah, they have a sister shop that uh, a few blocks away that does different stuff, um, yeah, Nikon and Leica and and all sorts of stuff like that. But uh, yeah. yes, that that was um, Aperture, wasn't it? That we just come from before we went to the camera. That's the sister shop, right? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, um, and because they only deal in Hasselblads there, and because they have this camera museum, people donate stuff to them. And when they've got stuff which is either doubles of things they've already got mounted or just not very good stuff, what they do is they put it in this basket by the front and sell the cameras for a pound a camera to, to get money for charity. And I hadn't even seen this. You pointed this out to me, Aid. <laughs> so, of course, we had to go furkling through it. Um, and it was mostly just plastic kind of crappy cameras they, they were real low end point and shoots um there were a couple of canon ixus aps cameras um but 
no way of knowing where they were functional at all and they looked a bit like they'd had a bit of a hard life and there was somebody else digging through them at the same time i think you picked up an old boots camera which has lost the part of the covering from it and this nice sticky pattern to it didn't it oh yeah i had to go and wash my hands afterwards it was revolting <laughs> so so this is really the unfortunate the unfortunate timing of this. Before we went into the shop, Aid and I have been walking down the streets and discussing about how I've been quite lucky picking up things cheap in shops over the years. And you were saying, oh, I just never have any luck finding things. Um, whilst I was looking in the basket, whilst we were both again, the guy was adding more stuff to it. So I've got more stuff to put in. There was, um, he put in a couple of box cameras and um, he put in a lovely yellow panoramic camera. That we love these plastic panoramic cameras and this one's really yellow and so I, I thought well i've got to have this yellow panoramic camera um this may get given away at some point so you know look forward to that in the future kids um and i also uh, saw and picked up this um kodak auto snap camera i picked it up mainly because it's just a cool looking uh, i'm gonna guess what do you think age 60s camera uh yeah 60s plastic thing yeah yeah, it's a 127 camera. It's um, got a light meter, but I think it's a bit broken. But, I mean, I think it's functional. Um, the good thing about it is, as a 127 camera, is that it actually has a like proper wind-on thing, thumb wind-on. Most of them just have wheels to turn like a 120, like an old 120 camera. And that means that I can put in 35mm film and it'll get wound on the correct distance. So I might actually have a go at using that. Because so, I've, I've used a 127 camera before with 35mm film, but the spacing was always the issue. The other thing, which when you came back, you just looked at me like, you picked that up out of there? Um, as he was putting stuff in, he put in this little black camera, which I saw and yoinked straight away uh a lomo lca um <laughs> i can't believe you found that i really cannot that's just ridiculous um so yes so i from this little basket of cameras for a pound each i picked up uh the kodak auto snap the plastic panorama and the lomo lca um the uh, lomo appears to be in pretty good working order hopefully um the 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 battery compartment was all corroded out, but I've cleaned that up, and that seems to be okay. And the uh, light seals are wrecked on it. But I've shoved the roll of film in it, and we'll see what it does. It's I I wasn't familiar with the camera, really, apart from by name at all before. But it's an interesting little camera, which um, further news as events warrant on that. You you've been to these shops before, haven't you, Aid? Yeah, it's a neighbourhood I used to work in, uh, and so I used to go walking around at lunch times, and uh, you know, I found over over a period of years, I found a whole bunch of, of camera shops. I don't think there's quite so many as there used to be, but this is all round by the British Museum and uh, uh, and Bloom the Bloomsbury uh, neighbourhood, and uh, the, there's quite a few actually. I mean, we went to what five or six. Yeah, what I really loved, particularly about um, uh, Aperture UK and um, Camera City and the Camera Museum in particular, um, is that those shops just had, they had the kind of feeling up from them that you really want to get from a shop selling vintage cameras. They, they were a bit like, like the Harry Potter one shop, but for cameras. It was just a cool space to be in, and there's film stuff all around, and yeah they they they're well worth a visit even if you don't have the money to buy most of the cameras there anyway um so we wandered around to camera city 
which is a cool little shop. Um, and we met a guy there called Sam Saul, who was a very nice chap, uh, a very enthusiastic film photographer. Um, and we got chatting about bits and pieces. And they had a lot of cameras for sale there, a lot of very nice film cameras for sale there. Um, and we saw, whilst we were there, both a Lomo LCA and, believe it or not, a plastic panoramic camera. Um, and the, the Lomo LCA, which I just paid a pound for, uh, that was up for £175, which I have since learned is actually not... I mean, I'm not saying it's a reasonable price for the camera, but it's considering what they cost new from Lomo is actually pretty reasonable if you're buying one from a reputable shop and uh, presumably it had all been serviced and cared for um yeah they had a lot of really nice stuff there and you've got a lot better idea of the the value of things like the the nikons and stuff haven't you and you're saying that their prices were quite in line with that stuff oh yeah yeah i mean this it's uh you know the, they had uh a nikon fe2 there um which as you know i've got a couple of those uh and uh yeah the pricing was bang on the money what I really liked about um, the Camera City shop was that uh, they not only sold the cameras and obviously had, they had, again, just they had loads of cameras there which weren't particularly for sale because we said, oh, you, know, you can't get film for these. They're just kind of here because we like them. But it had a really nice feel. But um, as well as selling the cameras, they have somebody there who will repair them. You can take stuff in and someone will come and repair cameras for you. And they also have a service where you can take in your negatives or taking your film, they'll develop the film for you. They will. They also have somebody who will make silver gelatin prints from your black and white negatives, uh, and that is a service which you do not see. Uh, I actually don't, can't think of anywhere off the top of my head the where you can do that. Do you know of anywhere else you can get that done, Aid? No, no, I haven't a clue. So that's quite quite a nice specialist service. I mean, the prices for the prints weren't super cheap obviously but also I, they didn't seem like they were particularly expensive so if, if you've got a really nice shot that you really want to get um a proper silver gelatin print done of it that, that seems like money well spent at that place so um where where was this place because i haven't got the foggiest clue uh i can't remember the exact name of the road but it's just, it's it's only 50 yards from the british museum so it's uh, it's all in the same area the camera museum and the and camera city there and and uh, at least one of the other shops we went to they're all in in the same area just south of the of the british museum mm. so where did we go to after that uh, we went after that to the classic camera, uh, which is a, a fantastic shop. Uh, not really, it does sell secondhand cameras, but it sells a lot of new stuff as well. And it's actually where I bought my Fuji digital uh, camera and and lenses. Uh, and uh, they sell they sell Fuji, they sell Leica, they sell I think they sell Olympus. They're 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 not a, a mainstream camera shop. They're they're a, a small independent camera shop, but they are uh, they sell some really nice stuff, and uh, they always have uh, a, a a good collection of Leica SLRs, the the Leica R series cameras, mm. um, which were good. But the thing that really caught my eye uh, was an absolutely pristine Hasselblad X Pan, 
um uh it really pristine i mean i i i'd love one of these cameras and but they always look really ropey when you see them on the internet because they've been used properly used and and therefore they're they're a bit rough around the edges and uh this one absolutely looked amazing and it came with both the 45 if it's, it's a 40 or a 45 mil lens and the 90 mil lens and uh and the the camera and the lenses were all boxed <laughs> and had paperwork and stuff like that so you weren't really looking at a second hand camera what you were looking at was an almost new Hasselblad X-Pan whole you know, collection or system if you want to use that term um uh, and that had me somewhat drooling and, and wondering if i should rush home pack every single camera lens light light stand into you know uh in, into a box and take it up there and try and do a swapsies with them because it was it was glorious it was but as i keep saying to you aid you have to look at it not as buying a camera but making an investment into something which is surely only going to go up in value over the years it's it's not about can i afford this it's can i afford to not buy this really um you know, this, no no this i think no, no be... i'm gonna have to cut through you there no no it is about whether or not you can afford it <laughs> that was a very expensive camera but yeah ah, it was a couple of grand uh, yeah yeah uh, i mean so i think your remark was well it's no more expensive than a, a canon slr yeah dslr or whatever you know these ones that they've been announcing all week at photokina in germany um mm. you know that knew this knew that knew the other um and actually yeah i mean if you went out and bought a pro level dslr these days uh yeah you'd easily be spending a couple of thousand pounds and that's just for the camera um uh, unless you went with a, a brand like fuji which is a, a a little bit cheaper uh but it's um yeah i'm not sure that it's got the versatility the versatility that uh, a pro dslr would have either quite frankly it's, it's way cooler though the thing you need to think about is how happy would that camera make you feel i mean not even using <laughs> it just just imagine if you were sitting in your desk as you are now and you glanced across and just saw it sat on the shelf there. It would just make you feel happy. And I think you owe it to, our, you owe it to yourselves and to our listeners to spend this exorbitant amount of money just so we can <laughs> live vicariously through your experiences. I'll tell you what, mate, I'll go halves with you. How does that sound? Uh, okay, who gets it a weekend? <laughs> <laughs> all right okay now that was it that was a great shop uh where else did we go oh we went to the photographer's gallery as well in uh ramilly street so this is down uh just uh, off of oxford street and uh we uh the we didn't go to see the exhibition there because i think we were a bit exhibitioned out by that point uh but yeah. you really loved the bookshop didn't you it was great i mean i think also we were a bit pressed for time by the time we um got to there which is a bit of a shame because i think i saw um, uh, the London Camera Project posting on Instagram about the exhibition that's going on there saying, oh, it's really good and uh, I wish oh, we'd right, had enough okay. time to go and see it. I only saw that after we'd passed through, but um, such is life. But yeah, the little shop, oh, it's fantastic. Um, a huge selection of photography books um, and photo books. Uh, just the biggest collection I think you'll ever like to see in one place. Really good. Um, all sorts. I could have spent hours down there just looking through. Um, and the other thing that I was hugely impressed by was the range of film and photography supplies that they sold. Um, 
an exceptionally broad range of stuff uh, from the full Ilford range of um, roll film and 35 mil. They had all the Lomography stuff, including the 110 film. Um, they had a load of stuff, which I have no idea what it was. It's a weird and wonderful, uh, I suppose the word would be special effect color films. <laughs> the, uh, the look that the um, lady who worked there gave us when she was this sort of thing, oh yeah, those are hmm, interesting colour films. I got the impression she was not overly impressed by them. No, I think um, a lot of them were indus- industrial films, weren't they? Because they were um, uh, things like, you know, ISO 12. And I think they're, yeah. so they're, they're sort of for, for specialist copying purposes. Yeah, they're not actually really supposed to be shoved in a camera and taken out around the streets to take photographs. They are... Um, you know, uh, for use within various different industries, but uh, somebody had taken the the opportunity to spool them up into thirty five mil canisters and and uh, stick them on the shelves. So there's yeah. some really interesting stuff. Yeah, they had some of the um, the Vision film, the Kodak Vision fifty um, D and two fifty D that I'm been shooting at the moment with the the um, yeah the color cine film. They also had uh, the cine still film there, which is that film but with the rem jet removed it, it was uh, an inc- the roly films roly eye roly whatever that is um yeah just a really great range of film they had um all the instant film that there is to buy at the moment they had pack film the fuji pack film they had fuji instax they had impossible project film they had all the different kinds of impossible project film um and certainly with the 35mm and the 120 roll film, the prices were very good as well. They were very reasonable prices. I think you could pick up some Fomapan film for under four quid. So, um, yeah. yeah. And the you... way the prices have been going on the internet recently, I mean, I've been buying film on the internet recently. It's like that actually it was cheaper to buy it retail in a gallery than it is to yeah. buy it from a bulk seller on the, on the, the web. Yeah, I was really impressed by the selection and the prices. And um, if, if it wasn't for the fact that I already have quite a lot of stuff sitting in the fridge and really not a lot of money to spend on film at the moment, I could have gone hog wild there. Um, yeah, and it, all I ended up buying was just a roll of um, 120 Delta 3200 because I did need some of that. Um, they even had um, some Remjet remover for the... Uh, Vision films, which I was very tempted to buy, but it's in quite a large container, which I couldn't be bothered to carry back home with me, frankly. Um, but if, yeah, if you live anywhere near there and you need to buy film, I highly recommend that place. It really was great. And make sure you leave time to look at the books they've got there because it was a spectacular selection of stuff. It was indeed, and and that you know goes really it sets the the tone for summarising the whole day, wasn't it? I mean, we saw some spectacular photographs. Uh, we talked to some great people who were really enthusiastic about film photography, and you know, still you know, really committed to the business of film photography, be it you know second hand uh, cameras or uh, other other things, you know, like films or books or whatever, and uh, or even a cafe and a museum, um, and uh, you know, to finish it all off with you know some actual retail bargains as well. I mean, it was. Uh, it was uh, a great day out. I I uh, I think it was. I felt it was a pretty luxurious day. You know, to get out to to get out on a Saturday when I'm usually doing things like swimming lessons with the kids, 
and to have the luxury of wandering around uh, on a w- nice warm day uh, in London, going to sit pottering around shops and galleries and museums and stuff like that. It's fantastic. Complete luxury. It was great. And you even took a few pictures whilst you were out with your new Instax. I did, yes. Yes, I took my... Uh, well, I had two cameras with me. I had the Voigtlander Vitaret, uh, the much maligned but absolutely brilliant Vitaret, and uh, my new Fuji Instax camera, uh, which I still don't really know how to work properly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just want to say, because obviously this was the first time I got to see both of these cameras, and... Um, I'm actually quite jealous of your Voigtlander. That camera is so small and cool. Um, yeah, I, I might be keeping an eye out for one of those little things because they are hardly any larger than the um, my, Minox sub-miniature stuff. Uh, yeah, I was quite impressed by that. I like that a lot. And your Instax is a... Well, it's less of a bigger ugly lump than my Instax 200, that's for sure. No, it's quite small. It's quite compact, actually. Uh, for something that is essentially a 645 camera, because that's roughly the size, the, the Instax is it's not quite as big as a 645 negative, but my only other 645 is my Bronica, and that's enormous. <laughs> so, And I know the Bronica be- yeah, will give you a better quality image, um, but to, to pack uh, you know, the ability to... Uh, expose a surface that large into a, a plastic box so small is quite impressive um, so I, I'm looking forward to learning at, uh, how to work it I'm also thinking having spent now the best part of a week with it and I've only shot a couple of packs through it but um, it's not necessarily a wandering around you know just sort of point and shoot camera I think it's a camera that will come best if you've actually got something you want to shoot you know a real a real subject something that you're setting up because it's um I did take a few sort of you know, you know point and shoots wandering around what point point and shoot wandering around the city kind of shots yesterday and yeah they were all right um but they didn't do a lot for me in fact the the uh the the most galling thing about it uh is that the 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 only decent photo i took yesterday i then had to give away because it was a photo of you <laughs> i know i know well you know what made that picture so great it was that you had a, a wonderful model for it but I, I will scan it i will do it after we've spoken tonight and i will scan it and um I'll shove it up on Instagram and I will send it to you. Well, you have today even actually made a promise on the Pixelated Photographer forums uh, to do <laughs> a better job with the show uh, notes. I did. Okay. Pretty whoa, sure whoa. I read that about an hour ago. I, I did not say a better job because that infers in some way that I wasn't already doing a bang up job. It's just what it is, is that our blooming selfish needy listeners somehow want me to pass on more information to them which is outrageous but uh yeah yeah don't worry i will um i will make sure it's available for all to see god nothing but work 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 yeah work 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 yeah so it's um yeah, so it, it was a, a fantastic day out. Uh, the Instax camera is uh, interesting. Um, I will persevere with it some and see where I get to, uh, and uh, which might involve some small modifications to the flash, which is a bit of a nuclear device. Um, I ended up <laughs> holding uh, a napkin in front of the flash yesterday uh, to, to take the, the photo I took of you. I, I, I needed to take at least two stops off the flash, I think. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, reminder: uh, the inspiration for that was the old uh, uh, digital rev TV. Um, uh, what do they call it? 
Pro Photog Cheap Camera Challenge. And they had David Hobby, the strobist, on there once a year or two back. And he was doing all sorts of things with his cheap camera they gave him, including trying to you know, mask the flash and you know, uh, bounce it somewhere that so it could trigger something somewhere else and stuff like that. And I thought, you know what, I really need to do something about this flash. And, you know, it worked. Completely yeah. spur of the moment stuff. It worked. You know, hold a napkin in front of it, take a couple of stops off it, and it turned out a decent photo. Certainly did. So, Certainly did. Yes. Okay. At least you took some photos, dude. I think I had two cameras with me, and uh, I think I took one photo, and that was a photo of you whilst we were um, stopped for lunch. Um, and it was a shame because I'd actually finally loaded film into my Nikon L35AF2, um, which has developed this fault, which has turned it into a perfect street photography camera now, because perhaps through my buggering about when I was trying to load it up, um, when you click the shutter and it fires the shutter, it then pauses for an indeterminate length of time before it winds the camera on. Um, might be 10 seconds, might be 20 seconds. So you can click the shutter quite quietly, walk away, and then it winds on afterwards. This is perfect. <laughs> should be probably worth mentioning that it is supposed to be uh, an automatic film winding camera so there is no winder lever on this camera uh, it does it all uh, motorized yes yes just in, in in its own time it has a think and when it feels ready it winds it on i mean it's not perfect but you know you have to look at the upside of this which is it's good for sneaking if i was that kind of person which i'm not <laughs> and on that note, maybe we should move on to something else. Yeah, probably best. Breaking news! Okay, folks, you heard it here first, although probably not because there's this little thing called the internet and we use it for distribution, but so does everybody else. Um, You'd have to have your head in the ground like an ostrich to not know uh, in the world of photography uh, that there was a rather large trade show going on this week. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Photokina uh, held in Cologne every two years, Uh, certainly the biggest show in Europe I don't know if it's the biggest show in the world it might be uh, dedicated to photography and video and film and things like that Uh, but even in this world of digital technology in 2016 uh, there have been a couple of analog technology announcements uh, which we will be pleased to bring you right now Uh, the first of which is the announcement of Fuji of a new format for Instax. So they've had the Instax Mini. We talk a lot about that on this podcast because I've been playing with it a lot. Uh, They have the Instax Wide, uh, and that's been established for quite some time as well. But soon we will all get the chance to play with Square Instax. What do you reckon to that, Graham? Um, I'm not really sure how I feel about it just yet. It's, It's... They haven't announced the camera for it yet, have they? This is the first thing which I'm struggling to get my head around. Am I right in saying this? They've announced that they are going to build a camera because the the film that the size of the film uh, that they're going to make, uh, I don't think fits any existing camera. But they are going to build one. Okay, that seems like a an ass about face way of announcing it. You'd think the one would come out or at least be announced with the other. Um, 
as for its general existence, I, I'm I'm not super convinced because you were explaining this to me yesterday because I haven't actually kept up with the news. I am the person who's like an ostrich with his head in the sand. Um, and you were explaining to me that the image size isn't any bigger than the current Instax wide. It's just a square format. Um, so this does seem like mm, quite a targeted attempt to close in on the Polaroid market um, or to be more accurate, the the impossible project market these days. It, it might um, well be, yeah. Um, you're right, it's not bigger. In fact, it's actually smaller than the Instax wide. It's it's between the two, really. It's a bit bigger than the Mini and it's a bit smaller than the wide. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I get the impression from the small amount of um, chatter and marketing that I think I have glimpsed that this is something that's going... We know that people shooting instant photos really like the square look you know they were with instagram with impossible that that classic polaroid style um people like it and so it's not surprising in fact if anything it's surprising that it's taken fuji this long to go well our instax is very popular we should get in on this as well um and I suppose what I feel a little bit uncomfortable with is that Fuji is a very, very big company and Impossible is not. And Impossible you can't really afford to have a big competitor taking away some of their lunch money. Um, and I'm sure that it will eat into the market a bit because the one thing that we you know we've talked about on here before is that the impossible project stuff is um it has its quirks and it has its its drawbacks or advantages depending on what you're looking to get from it and you, you we, we know what the fuji instax film is going to be like um you know yesterday whilst you were out shooting with your camera you were able to take a picture in a lovely bright sunny day and out pops the picture and you just hold it up look at it and the picture just appears gradually and you you couldn't do that with impossible project film at all you know when that stuff comes out you have to get it in the dark as quickly as possible and, and wait for it to develop so for consumers who are looking for an easy way to get that polaroid style image this will be the path that they will take um and I, I think there will always be a market for the impossible stuff because the photographers looking for a more uh, unpredictable and creative outlet will still want to go with the impossible project stuff. Uh, whilst we were out yesterday, we both got to see, although not get our hands on because um, it's behind the glass. All the cameras are behind glass doors. It's so frustrating in all the shops. Um, all the Leicas and everything. I want to pick and play with no behind glass doors. Anyway, <laughs> um, we got to see the i1, didn't we? Yeah, a bit. Yeah, which it looked really interesting. A bit smaller than I had imagined it would be. Yes, that was exactly what I thought looking at it. It was like, oh, that's because it looks like it's going to be a bit of a big clunker. But no, it looked quite small and quite cool. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, it's quite an appealing little camera. Um, weird looking thing. No two ways about it. It's a weird looking camera. It not, looks not, not bad weird, though. No, no, just quirky weird. A bit like an old rotary phone. Um, <laughs> yeah, those, <laughs> that, that LED ring of LEDs on the front and the shape of it. Yeah, that's a good, good analogy. Yeah. 
Um, and so I think that they are still going to have that market there for people who want and or who appreciate and are happy to put up with the um, limitations and unpredictable nature of the impossible film. but Or, or to embrace them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I see a lot of stuff that I really like taken by people who are very talented and to get the most out of that film and create unique one-off images that can only be done with that kind of process. Um, but yeah, this Instax is definitely going to eat into their market. I mean, it's it's a good thing having choices. It's a good thing that there is more than one uh, supplier on the market doing that. Um and I, I suppose the thing is that it will be interesting to see what the camera that is going to use this looks like when it comes out and what it's going to offer and whether it is going to perhaps be anything more than just an Instax camera that happens to shoot square. It would be really nice to see Fuji starting to incorporate more options for people to be creative with their cameras because um, I think that's what's lacking a bit at the moment is that uh creativity and, and i know some people do do stuff with them but i think it's a bit harder it is that's what i'm finding anyway so yeah it'd be nice if there was uh, a little bit more control for the creative photographer uh, uh in the new one and uh yeah well so yeah wait and see so that was the uh, news item number one um the other film-related news item from Photokine, at least uh, the only other one that I think I've found, um, relates to the French film manufacturers uh, Berger. And uh, a company that, to be honest, um, I wasn't even really aware of uh, until this week. Um, uh, although I understand now from doing a little bit of reading that they've been around for quite a long time. Um, you can check them out on Instagram. Uh, they are at Berger underscore official. Um, do, you, do you want to spell burger? Because I'm thinking B-U-G-E-R as in burger, but it's not spelled like that at all, is it? Uh, no, it's B-E-R-G-G-E-R underscore official on Instagram. But of course, it'll be in the show notes. Um, of course, it they, will be in the show they have announced a new black and white film uh, available in 35mm and in 120. Uh, they call it Pancro 400. Um, it always amazes me how little imagination there is apart from lamography in the naming of films um you know you could play a game of bullshit bingo couldn't you on how many films have got the word pan in them but it's a you know it's a new film you know yeah uh, and uh yeah well done them i mean i i, I don't even really know what to say about it i'm a bit sort of you know lost for words in a way a bit gobsmacked because it's you know it, it's not often you get to talk about stuff like that i mean we all thought film ferrania were gonna you know release something i don't know a year or so ago um and they haven't quite got there yet um looking forward to that but uh yeah this is a new film yeah it's great news and in some ways i think that this way of doing it is the ideal way because uh, Obviously, with Ferrania, um, that started life as a Kickstarter project. So they needed to raise the money to do that. So they had to go public early. And what they are looking to produce is a, I would imagine, more complicated product because they're looking to make slide films and things like this. So I, I don't really know what the backstory is, but I, I do know that we people were expecting to start to see 
the film coming online by now from Ferrania. I, I think it's still on the way. That's there's no indication at all that it's not going to happen. But these things just take longer than people initially expect, and that can be frustrating. So to have out of the blue this new film pop up from a, a name that, as you said, I wasn't familiar with, although I think they've been around in some form for quite some time, uh, is is fantastic. It's just as we were saying with the uh, instant film, the more players there are in the market, the better it is for everybody. Um, and it will be really exciting to, it sounds as though this is going to be coming online fairly soon. Um, and I, yeah, I, I hope it's readily available. and I look forward to trying it out. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice to have choices. Um, and it's, it was nice when we were talking to Samsung in camera city yesterday, uh, he was saying that, Film sales are going up. People are coming in and buying more and more film. And uh, this is good news. And the, the more we buy it and the more we shoot it, the more incentive there is for people to keep making it and for smaller companies, because I'm guessing that Berger must be... Sorry, it's probably pronounced Berger. Berger? Berger. Um, anyway. Like your finest Peter Sellers, Inspector Clouseau impression. Berger? Um <laughs> Uh, I'm guessing they're not a huge company, uh, but if, if they can get their foot in the door, there's certainly a hungry market out there for it. So, yeah, great news. Just It's just wonderful to be having announcements of new stock coming out after years of it being stuff being taken away and taken away and taken away. I mean, as you said, Ferrania was the last new film that was you know being brought to market and that's over two years ago since that was kick-started so yeah i'm not sure because the uh that was the one the one that i i actually put some money into the kickstarter for that so i do hope they come back with something um the only other one i've known in in the interim uh is the uh, japan camera hunter uh stuff which it, it mm. may, may even have the word pan in the name as well actually i can't remember yeah it has japan uh, oh well yeah no i didn't mean it pan. as in japan <laughs> 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 yeah all right okay you got me on that one so you're right choice choice is a good thing and uh you know it's great to see these announcements um you know coming out and uh yeah let's see the product and and uh if we are really uh right now at the beginning of uh a growth or an increase in in the uh the film photography market then i mean that would be fantastic certainly and and this is the first of my shout outs actually in fact it's my only shout out for the week because uh it is it is that time uh there seems to be uh a good wave uh, or a good increase uh and a wave of of new film photography podcasts so i don't so you know it's not good well, you know, you said choice was good. So are you saying choice is good when it comes to other people's products, but not when it comes to ours? Is that? <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what I'm saying. These people should not be listening to anything else. We don't want to benchmarking us against other people. They'll realise how terrible we are. Well, I tell you what, Mr. Trump, you build your wall <laughs> and I'll be a little bit more democratic. How does that go? I'll get them to build the wall for us. <laughs> okay, so I want to give uh, a shout out this week to uh, Lady uh, called Kristen Smith uh, and uh, she is known on Twitter as Kristen with a camera uh, her Twitter handle is Kristen WA camera all as one word 
Um, now, she's somebody who, who I've been aware of uh, in the film community on Twitter for a little while. Uh, and it turns out that she has just launched uh, a podcast herself. Um, I think she's done two episodes some, somehow. Uh, sorry. Two episodes so far uh, at the time that we're recording this. And I have to say, actually, I haven't actually listened to it yet. Um, but I've downloaded it and I'm waiting for my commute for the coming week so that I can listen to it properly. Um, the podcast is called With a Camera, all as one word. You can just search that in uh, iTunes or on your podcasting app, certainly on iPhones. Um, I assume something similar on uh, Android. Uh, and it's also available on SoundCloud as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good luck with that, Kristen, and uh, I hope it works. And it's good to have more film photography podcasts. I just hope it's not better than ours, otherwise, all our listeners are just going to go. They'll just be gone now, they're going to listen to that instead. Oh, you, it's you, not an either or choice. You can't, you don't just have to choose one film photography podcast. Uh, do you not? I wasn't sure whether there were rules about that kind of thing. Um, I feel. Actually, if there were, we'd already be screwed because everybody'd just be listening to the Film Photography Podcast anyway. Well, yeah, so. there is one that is called <laughs> the Film Photography Podcast. So, you, yeah, we'd be in pretty dire straits, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would. We would. Oh well. Okay, so that was my shout out. Uh, any shout outs from you, Graham? I have. I certainly have. You, you know, I've always got shout outs. Um, the first couple uh, to people who do listen, and thank you so much to all our lovely listeners. Um, we've got a couple of iTunes reviews. These are both over in uh, the States. Um, the first one is to Spencer Beta. Beta. I can't, you know, I actually at this point can't remember which is the English and which is the American way of saying that. I think the English is Beta usually. Yeah. Okay, so it will be Spencer Beta. Um, I've done really well this week. Despite getting these random uh, iTunes names, I know who these people are. And so I can say a big thank you to A Story of Pieces, also known as Spencer Beta, uh, for leaving us that iTunes review. Um, we have talked about his stuff on here numerous times before, and I'm sure we will again, uh, because he is a fantastic photographer. Um, I was on his website earlier this week. Uh, which I cannot remember the name of because I'm a bad person. But if you go to a story of pieces and look in his profile, you'll find a link on there. And he's got some great stuff on there. I, what, I, I don't think it's particularly film related, but he's got these um, pictures on there uh, that are um, messed up, I think is the best word. They, they've been um, pixel damaged. And I asked him what he'd done with them. And he said he'd got the photo file and then opened it in a text editor and just messed around with it. And you get these really fun, broken pictures. So that was quite a fun thing I liked. Anyway, um, and also he's been great lately. He's been um, keeping me up to date on the news as it comes in. So uh, he's been sharing with me stuff that's come up from Photokina. Uh, so I was at least vaguely aware of stuff like this, the uh, new Instax film coming up and stuff like that. So thank you very much um, for that. And the other one is WCO who I'm not sure, but I am going to guess that that is our good friend, Bill Owen. Um, Bill Owens, uh, um, thank you both of you for leaving iTunes reviews. It is really appreciated because I know it's tedious to say this because every podcast says this, but it really does help. It's phenomenally difficult to get any traction at all on iTunes. And we're failing miserably. Uh, <laughs> to <be> totally honest. <laughs> I know. I'm failing quite cheerfully, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, we're failing cheerfully. To, to, um, we're not really that bothered because we're just doing this for the laws anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's really hard. And the reviews do 
help it get some slight more visibility potentially um and i know it's a pain in the neck and i really appreciate anybody who's taken the time to do so um we've got one on the uh, uk itunes store as well a new one this week um some guy named aid uh, i don't know if there's any relation <laughs> to yours aid, but he left us a very glowing review um so that's good to see as well yeah i think um, he said that i was great but you were a, a poor third <laughs> <laughs> well i mean at least it shows you listen to enough shows to get a real good idea of what it's like <laughs> the other person i want to give a shout out to this week um is an instagram user called derek underscore james photo um derek's uh instagram feed got some really nice interesting um bits of streets it's again it's one of these things it's street photography in the sense that he's out and about on streets taking it but it's not of people doing stuff primarily it's just elements of the street and the makeup of what's going on around him and it's nice interesting stuff and i one shot i particularly liked um he's got this lovely portrait of a lady in front of this really brightly multicolored um fence behind um and it's just a really it's a just a nice portrait and lovely and colorful and anyway the reason i want to give him a shout out was because he's clearly just started listening uh to the podcast or either that or he's just come across this thing but way way back in the very first episode of uh our lovely lovely podcast i shared with the world my theory um on found film uh, found film is that when you buy a camera buy an old camera it has a role of partially exposed film in it and my theory is that on every one of these partially exposed rolls of film if you take the time to develop it you will find a picture of somebody's grandma because that's been my experience um i, th I think so far I i've got at least three rolls of found film with grandmas on it anyway uh derek took the time to share on instagram a photo of from a roll of found film that he had with a picture of a grandma on it hey um, so this, I think this really gives great strength to this theory. And I think, you know, questions need to be asked and maybe government committees need to be started up to look into this because I think it might be some sort of weird conspiracy. Possibly aliens are involved. I don't know. <laughs> ah, it's all good. I, I feel very happy about that. <laughs> okay. All right. So thank you, everybody, yet yeah, for listening, for the reviews. Um, and that brings us just really to the, the little housekeeping bit at the end. Um, I spend a lot of my time promoting this podcast on Twitter uh, and you'll find us there of course at Sunny16Podcast uh, Graham usually takes care of the Instagram uh, account uh, again at Sunny16Podcast and we're always happy to see your photos in our Flickr group which is Sunny16Podcast now Graham you said last week I think uh, that, uh, that we'd had some interest on Facebook anything to report from Facebook? Um, yeah, I um, I did at least get as far as posting the podcast post up on Facebook this week. So that's a big step up because the last time I posted anything on Facebook was for episode seven. So um, if, if you are a Facebook user and you're feeling neglected, please do let us know and I will do more but, stuff but on, not on Facebook. <laughs> but, but not on Facebook, so I might not see it. Um, but yeah, I'm at least making sure the podcast posts go up there and I, and I will try if I I feel like there should be an easy way to share things from Instagram to Facebook, but I haven't figured out what that is yet, at least not to the, our uh, Facebook page. I, I'm an idiot. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Uh, 
All right, so still work to be done there on behalf of our podcast on Facebook. Uh, we always, of course, say thank you to Chris, uh, who was our guest last week uh, and uh, is probably somewhere in an aeroplane at the moment. Um, thank you, Chris, for you know, all the technical support and for hosting the longer form conversations uh, at the pixelatedphotographer.com website. And it's great to see so many people who are listening to the podcast signing up uh, and the conversations uh, you know, getting broader and deeper as a result result of that uh, yeah there's been there's been some really good uh, chat on the forums lately and yeah for anybody who is enjoying the conversations we've had um and just wants to, to carry them on with other with us and with other people do go over there and also you know share your pictures uh over there it's easy for us to see stuff bigger than they are on instagram and elsewhere and um yeah please do hop on over to the forums Excellent. Yeah, thank you. And uh, last but not least, of course, uh, is the music Honeybee by Kevin MacLeod, uh, which threads through the podcast and is licensed under a Creative Commons license uh, from Kevin. Uh, and his website can be found at incompetech.com. Uh, go lose yourself in a, a vast variety of music there. And um, I think that brings everything to a close for this week, does it, Graham? Oh, no, there's just one last thing, Aid. One oh. last thing. Oh, hang on. Is I this a Steve wanna... Jobs moment, is it? Yeah. Uh, no, it's more of a Columbo. Uh, just, oh, Columbo. Just... Okay, I'll go with Columbo. I'll go with Columbo. Uh, this is just to say, and this also comes back to the forum as well, um, there has been a great response to uh, the Reclaim the Selfie. Um, <laughs> it's September selfie. Um, so, yeah, just for the next couple of weeks, guys, uh, I'm going to reiterate what we said last week. I want to see some good quality selfies. I want to see some uh, creative and artistic selfies. Um, the the forum is a great place to share them, but uh, Instagram, you know, just hashtag it so we can see it on there. Um, uh, was I don't know hashtag reclaim the selfie or at us in there just so we're aware of them or just you know, shove them under our nose. Um, but there's a thread on the forums. Call, I think, reclaim the selfie. I know you've got a couple of pictures up there already, haven't you, Aid? I do indeed. Yep. It has been commented on in the, in that thread that uh, you always look very mean and moody for somebody who sounds so cheerful. It uh, was, yeah, it was, and um, and they're absolutely right. <laughs> um, but I know Neil's got a very cool pinhole selfie up there. Uh, Bill has got a um, where's Wally esque. Uh, self-portrait up there where you really have to look to find him in there um, but yeah we're, let's get more pictures up there and uh, I, I haven't put any up there yet but I will rectify that very soon so yes please let's reclaim the selfie uh, share them with us wherever you share your photos uh, we would love to see them we would indeed we would indeed okay and on that note I think it really is time to say goodbye so have a good week folks and we will be back soon Bye. We need to plan where we're going to go on our next trip now, eh? I think we should go to Vegas. <laughs> so you can win the money to buy yourself a Hasselblad. It may be. <laughs>